0: Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> I'm reading today from Acts five twenty-seven to 32, but I'm going to set it up. Obviously, this is after the resurrection, after uh, the ascension, Peter's big sermon, and the disciples have been doing some marvelous things, and the high priest and his group are not happy. In fact, the scripture says they were jealous so they arrested him because they're teaching in the temple put them in jail that wasn't going to work angel of the lord came and let them out the next morning the chief priest says bring me those people that have been teaching they're not here they're not here where are they they're back in the temple preaching so they went and got them but very quietly The scripture actually says without violence, they got them and they brought them because they were afraid of the people. All right. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, we gave you strict orders not to preach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you're determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, who you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior so he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: As you may have guessed from Jeff's time with the children, we're going to be talking about Thomas uh, and some of the other disciples. On the evening of that day, The first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, sometimes called the twin, was not with him when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, he gets the answer to his doubt. For the disciples are once again in the house. And Jesus was, or Thomas was with them. And again, the doors were shut. But Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless. But believing, Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. gracious God, we ask that your spirit would move among us, that we could experience and see and believe, and yet believe without needing to touch. We ask this in your name. Amen. Each and every one of us in this room can readily identify with the disciples who are gathered in that room behind the locked door. For each of us has experienced losses in our lives which have sent us into grief and despair. Now the loss may have been the loss of a job, a pet, a loved one, a relationship, but each loss sets off some level of grieving within us. For each lost event means that some source of comfort or purpose has been lost to us. And we find ourselves in grief asking amidst the kind of confusion that goes on, what is going to happen to me now? How can I go forward without this part of my past life? And there's probably not a week goes by that I don't sit with a family who has just experienced a loss and had them ask that very question. What's going to happen to me now? How am I going to go forward? How am I going to learn to pay the bills and take care of the car and... All of those questions that flow through our minds. Now, yes, there is certainly an element of fear present with the disciples locked behind that door because they have, ex- have been witness to the violence of the past few days and fear that somehow that violence that had been directed toward Jesus might be directed toward each of them but I think a large part of their fear was a sense of being leaderless. And I think a part of that sense of being leaderless was also a sense of shame and guilt that when the events turned ugly, they had slipped away into the shadows. And so they're now questioning if they have the strength and the courage to continue the ministry that Jesus had started with them, had actually called them to. In John eleven sixteen, following word of the death of Lazarus, Jesus suggests that he needs to return to Judea, a place where the, the hatred and the animosity and hostility is certainly gathering. And it's Thomas who says to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. But given the opportunity to die with him, his disciples chose to live. And now they're less certain about their own bravery, their own courage, their own strength. Shock. Despair and grief now surround them and occupy their thinking. You can imagine them behind that door trying to, to answer the question for themselves or one another. How could this be right? How was Jesus, who we believed to be the Messiah, the one co- who was coming to save us, but now He's dead and gone? Lying in a borrowed grave? How can this be? Now, from our perspective in 2018, we can wonder why they would be so shocked and confused. Obviously, Jesus has been trying to teach and prepare them for just this day. But too often, we, like the disciples, become so overwhelmed with just living life day to day that we don't stop to evaluate where we are in our journey or what meaning and purpose of living has beyond the here and the now. About six, seven years ago, one of the employees at the hospital was facing the the reality that her husband was, was, was dying. And she had some concerns in her mind He was kind of the strong, silent type who who liked to be on his John Deere tractor. And so she was never quite sure where he was in his faith journey. So she had that, that burning question in her mind. But on the last evening that she came to visit him in the hospital, I was in the room and she walks in the room and Ben says, oh, Betty, this is a beautiful room. You would love it here. What's Betty's response? Ben, this is the same room you've been in all week. It was only after he took his last breath that she began to understand what he was saying to her, that he was seeing through the veil of death and that he was going to be okay. But she was so overwhelmed with all of the things that were happening with his health process, that she missed that clue in the moment. And when we look at at Scripture, it's obvious that the disciples, they're so overwhelmed with all the day-to-day events that they're not hearing everything that Jesus was teaching them. In the 14th chapter of John, Jesus is trying to reassure them that, yes, he will go away, but surely as he goes away, He will come again and receive them to himself. And he makes the further promise that, you know, in God's house there are rooms for all of you. And you know the way where I am going. And again, it's Thomas who says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And I would bet that each of you can probably tell me what Jesus responded. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If you have known me, you know my Father. But as clear as that is said, Philip immediately responds and says, Lord, show us the Father, and we shall be satisfied. And Jesus looks at him, you can almost see him shaking his head and saying, Philip, have I been with you this long and you don't don't realize that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, so as you have seen me, you have already seen the Father. So certainly a part of what was going on in that room of grief was trying to make sense of the past few days, in the light of what Jesus had taught, but now in the light of the rumors that have come to them from the women that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, but had risen and would come to them. And while they're struggling to make sense of it all, Jesus appeared among them saying, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm about to send you. And so Jesus is commissioning them to continue his ministry of healing and peace. But he recognizes that they cannot carry out that ministry in their own strength. And so he breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. And when you've received this Holy Spirit and you begin to carry out my ministry, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And so these disciples, having received the Holy Spirit, have been given the authority to continue Jesus' priestly work to carry forward His ministry of forgiveness, and our Acts passage that Jane opened for us this morning shows these very men soon involved in this priestly work in Jerusalem, and their ministry—the the words they are teaching and the accusations that come from the realization of of who was responsible for the physical death of Jesus has brought them into conflict with the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin really wanted to silence them. And so they have them arrested and and they're beaten and thrown into prison to silence the message of the apostles. And as Jane pointed out, just prior to the passage that she read, the apostles are in prison and in the middle of the night an angel comes, releases him from prison and doesn't say, hey, go hide someplace. The angel said, go back to the temple and continue to preach the message that you have preached. And so in the morning when the when the Sanhedrin asked for the prisoners to be brought, the guards realize that the doors are locked, but the prisoners are not there. And so when the Sanhedrin asks the question, where are they? The surprising answer is they're once again in the temple preaching the message of Jesus Christ. Now, the Sanhedrin have a problem. Obviously, silencing them is not going to be a simple matter of locking them up. And it's not going to be as simple as some threats and some, some beatings. But the, the apostles' popularity among, among the crowds is so great that they are fearful of doing to the apostles, what they had done to Jesus of Nazareth. But they call them, bring them in to rearrest them and to bring them back for further warnings. And when they were brought back before the court, Peter spoke out using the same three points that had been a part of the message that they had been preaching 4 days those three points number 1 he and the apostles must obey god and not men including the council the sanhedrin point number 2 that jesus christ is god's messiah and he's alive and point number 3 god's holy spirit is living among us. And you can only imagine that Peter's message only served to further anger and frustrate the members of the Sanhedrin. And they began to conspire a way to put them to death. But their plan is ultimately diverted when one of the Pharisees named Gamaliel says, hey guys, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or work is only of them, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you will not overthrow it. In fact, you will be seen as fighting against even God. So through the grieving process and through Jesus' repeated once again coming in touch with them and and allowing them to experience his physical body. He has verified for them that he was truly the Messiah, but he also empowered them with the Holy Spirit to move forward with his ministry that he had begun. Such a stark contrast between hiding behind closed doors out of fear of the Jewish leaders and standing there before them, before the council, and saying, we must obey God and not you. Thank God that Jesus did reappear, and he appeared to disciples and gave them the opportunity to reaffirm that he was indeed the Messiah, and that they were able to, to take their message into the world because the fact that they took that message Into the world means that you and I are able as followers of Christ to go on mission trips and work camps and enables us to reach out to those in need and to serve meals to the hungry and clothe the poor, to walk beside those who sorrow and grieve. Thanks be to God that Jesus came and stood among us and that we have believed. Amen.